Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the GM Shuffle. It's never been about winning for Dan Snyder. You know, when I was growing up, there was a there was a five-year waiting list to get tickets to go to RFK Stadium. Now there's, you know, you can buy them for 25 cents on StubHub. I mean, it's ridiculous. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to another edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Our producer, Stephen Bond, with us on the ones and twos like he is for each and every episode. Michael, a lot to get into on the football field, but we saw the yeah. report earlier this morning from ESPN. It came from Seth Wickersham, Don Van Nata Jr., and Tisha Thompson on Daniel Snyder and the impending rift between he and the NFL and the other owners. Um, before we get into the whole thing, just what do you think of this, and what were your first reactions when you read the story this morning? You know, anytime I read a story like this that that has a lot of unnamed sources in it and a lot of them coming from high-level sources, you you have to wonder what's the genesis of the story? What's the motive operandi of letting this out? You know, usually the NFL, especially at that owner level, is fairly secretive about what happens, but there's always Mm -hmm. a reason for why a story is able to get out. And I think this is kind of planting the seeds to basically, like, any battle they're letting the everyone know what the other what the enemy has in store and i think that letting this story out kind of tells the fans the public that snyder's trying to basically blackmail blackball the owners with whatever information he might hold at keeping him out now will that work i don't know 
I, I mean, I don't know. I don't think it can. But you, you know this. I mean, they should have known this, Femi, going back to when he bought the team. I mean, when he bought the team, he had a partner with him that they couldn't get the funding right. And then, then, he, then he got rid of the partner. The partner ended up suing him. And then he was able to find a way to get to the team. And they approved him at $800 million. They ignored the Cook family who was below the offer. So to me, this is, this, there, there's a reason for the story. There's definitely a reason when you dive into it. It's a long story over on ESPN.com, and it's packed with a lot of different information from all the way in the past when Snyder first bought the team and the arguments he was having at the owners' meetings to all the way up until right now. But in the early portions of the story, it talks about how Snyder recently told a close associate that he has gathered enough secrets to, quote, blow up several NFL owners, the league office, and even Roger Goodell, quote, they can't F with me is what he has said privately. Now, Snyder and his lawyers deny that he has said those things privately. But I mean, as somebody who's an outsider and doesn't know all the inner workings of what's going on in the NFL, we've talked about Snyder briefly throughout the summer on this podcast. This has kind of been my suspicion as to why he's still the owner of the Washington yeah. Commanders. It's because he feels that he has something on these other owners. And some of these other owners are maybe saying, you know what? We don't like him and he's not really bringing anything to the table, but we also don't want to go down that road. You know, I think w that's true, and, and I think that this franchise is is so valued and so sacred in terms of the lore of the NFL, and, and it's important that the Washington football team commanders, or whatever you call them, you know, is good. I mean, when they're good, the, the, the NFL's better. It's a mm -hmm. little bit like when the Raiders are good, the NFL's better. There's certain teams that the Cowboys, you know, it's there's certain teams, the Giants, there's certain teams when they're good you know, it just enhances the whole league because of where they're from. My, my question, if you're Snyder and you're having this fight, wh where do you think you're winning? Do you really think you're going to be able to get fans back in the stadium? Do you really think you're going to be able to get move the, the chairs around to get a stadium? Do you think your, your political influence is going to? Like, you can say you have all this blackmail, but at the end of the day, let's second order think this. Go out. What, what is he, what's he achieve with it? Like, nobody wants him to be an owner. He's destroyed mm -hmm. a franchise. I mean, he really has. And so, like, how is he going to repair it? What move could he possibly make to repair this? You know, and so I, I don't know. I mean, I know he wants to fight to keep his franchise. I know it's really important to him. But he's lost credibility. He's lost trust with the people that, that support his team. You know, when I was growing up, there was a there was a five year waiting list to get tickets to go to RFK Stadium. Now there's you know, you can buy them for 25 cents on StubHub. I mean, it's ridiculous. Like, what do you think could be his end game? Like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to keep my franchise and I'm going to I'm like, who's buying them? Who really is buying into this? I don't think anybody is. And the report asked that very question. And here's what a source said, quote, it's his identity. He's in an elite club full of glass houses, and Snyder not only has no shame, the source says, he simply doesn't care that he's hated. In fact, he revels in it. A senior executive who knows Snyder says, quote, I keep wondering, why is he still doing this? Why isn't he selling the team? There's no way out. There's no end game. That's his character flaw. He can't look in the mirror and see what everybody else sees. And my takeaway from reading this whole thing and over the last decade or so is that he's simply delusional. He, he quite yeah. simply is delusional. Well, most narcissistic people are delusional, and he qu certainly qualifies for the head of the narcissistic class here. I mean, there's no denying it. And, you know, and, and, and it's always been, it's never been about winning for Dan Snyder. It's always been about winning 
the way I want to win Dan Snyder. It's mm-hmm. never been about the, the wins. It's always been we have to win a certain way. And I, I just think to me that's really hard. And, and I don't think that'll ever change. You know, I, again, there's no end game here. There really is no end game. And, you know, he can threaten. I mean, one thing I know about the billionaires club that is the NFL owners is they, they can fight back with the best of them as well. And they, they control the narrative. They will end up controlling the narrative, just like how this story got out. They're going to control how to do this better than anybody. And one thing that has been reported is that Dan Snyder has hired private investigators to look into other NFL owners, league executives, as well as Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the National Football League. And the NFL and the sources in the league offices have said that they're aware that people are being looked into by private investigators. That's one tactic that Snyder has gone toward in the past as kind of a a sign of a little bit of a retaliation there on others who might speak out against him. And a lot of this stems from the sexual assault allegation that's against Snyder from an instance back in 2009, allegedly on a team plane with an employee there on his own uh, private jet. So there's a lot to this story that I'm sure we will get into going into the further weeks and in the months as well. And one quick thing that was talked about is potentially could save Snyder in this position is maybe if they're able to acquire a new stadium, but that's also a backdoor channel as to why they might be able to get him all the way out if they don't waive the loan. Yeah, they're never getting a stadium. He needs the league office to cooperate with them to get that. Look, you know, this is the Sopranos type. I mean, he's now Richie Aprile. Like, mm-hmm. there's there's no way he can get out of this. Like, he has no, like, Richie Aprile came back. You know, he thought he had all the dirt on everybody, thought he was going to get, but this is like, he's never going to be able to do this. Like, the, he there's no end game here. Now, in, in other businesses like the Sopranos, you know, usually, you know, they go to a, you know, they go to a hill with pine cones. You know, that's where Richie Aprile is. So, I, I don't see the end game. I didn't see the end game for Daniel Sterling. Uh, I didn't see the end game for, you know, I mean, the, the even though the Phoenix Suns owner was fined, once LeBron and Chris Paul and everybody else came out against them, he had no choice. And, and he was as defiant as Snyder was. And he said, I'm goodbye. I mean, you're going to have mm-hmm. to take your money and go home, aren't you? One would think, and this report once again came from Seth Wickersham, Don Van Natta Jr., and Tisha Thompson over at ESPN. We'll add the link to it when we uh, post the podcast for those who want to read the full story because there's a lot to get to in there, and we don't have enough time to delve into every single detail. But, Michael, let's take our first break. We'll talk about Snyder's team, the Washington Commanders, who host the Chicago oh, Bears. you're so excited on- when you see Justin Fields tonight, aren't you? You're so excited. I'm excited, man. Seatbelt on. I'm excited. You are so excited. The, the, you're going to be so happy. The whole world gets to see my man Justin Fields. We'll get into that go. game. <laughs> Yeah. the other side. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, these second round playoffs have been unreal and we have the conference finals now on the horizon. Make sure you get all those futures bets in before the value disappears. And if you're new to DraftKings, you gotta check this out. New customers bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets in Instantly download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance see dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions terms and responsible gaming resources all right michael thursday night football on amazon prime not sure that this is what jeff bezos had in mind when he took on the thursday night package but we have the washington commanders and the chicago bears right now over at our show sponsor DraftKings. the commanders one point road favorites the total sitting at 38 and this is going to be one that it might be an eyes bleed experience for the folks who are watching at home, but it's an NFL game nonetheless. And my man Justin Fields gets to show out on primetime. Yeah, he gets to show you that how he can complete what's he got, 49 completions in five games? I mean, how that's not bad, Femi. I mean, you know, Bergen Catholic here in Jersey, they get fit, they get more than that, you know. Don Bosco Prep gets more than that. No big deal. You know, it's all good. You know, everybody's saying on, you know, he's it's fine. Poor Mike March, he took a wrath of shit for it, but you know, look. I mean, the, it, just simple completions are hard for the team. This is this is part of our conversation that we had in the last block. When Chicago and Washington aren't great teams, it hurts the league. I mean, these are storied franchises, you know. And I I, I wrote about you know to me I, I wrote about this in the next book. I mean, George Preston Marshall's in the Hall of Fame. You know, I'm not sure that belongs there. You know, because of mm-hmm. of, of his indiscretions. George Hallis does. I mean, these are two storied franchises that that you know at one time you know when the great uh, Sid Sid Luckman played and you know and they had a seventy three to nothing game and all that. But I, I'm going to enjoy it, Femi. I'm going to enjoy watching Justin Fields to see how they navigate this. I, I'm surprised at how well the Bears have competed and tried to stay attached in the games that they've played, mm-hmm. but. At the end of the day, this is a talent level. Can they run the ball? Washington, the last two weeks, have played pretty good run defense. It's going to be interesting to see if they can actually, if they can't run the ball and it becomes a passing game, which I don't know if it would, because Chicago never wants to even get there. They're the lowest league in attempts this year so far. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, this should be a Washington win. I mean, plus, you know, your boy Rivera is feeling the heat a little bit. He's definitely feeling the heat earlier this week. He told the media when asked about the difference between the Washington commanders and the other three teams in the NFC East, he simply said quarterback. Now, he has since yeah. apologized to the team and Carson Wentz, and uh, we know that this has become a thing inside that locker room and in the media with Wentz and the, the criticism that he's suffered, but According to ESPN's, or rather NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, Commander's quarterback Carson Wentz dealing with the biceps tendon strain that he suffered in the loss to the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. He's not a 100%, but he'll start tonight against the Bears and then try to heal up with extra rest coming off of Thursday night's game here. So Wentz already under a lot of pressure now is a little compromised tonight. Yeah, and that offensive line doesn't really help him very much. I mean, you know, he's taken a lot of hits and and he's taken a lot of, and he, you know, he fumbled three times last week in the game against Tennessee, you know, and, and obviously turned the ball over in the red zone. So, but this is a game where Washington's defense, if they can just play better run defense and don't give up the big play and make, and make fields get in a bunch of third downs, 15 or more third downs. But to me, 
I give Eberflus credit. He's trying to manage the game based on his talent level. The thing that always has bothered me about Rivera, he never does that. You know, he never mm-hmm. does that. And Rivera, you know, acts as if he's won five Super Bowls. Like, at some point, like, you know, don't blame the players. Like, you know, don't play. You, you got to be accountable. He made no changes to his coaching staff this offseason, right? So what, what does that tell you, right? So it's either players, coaches, or schemes. And so he's saying, look, we, well, there was nothing wrong. We just have the players have to play better. That, that's a hard sell. That's two-time coach of the year, Ron Rivera, that you're talking about there. <laughs> but he's not only had three winning seasons in 11 years, you know? And I mean, he, and it's like, he has like, like, I, I, I'm just saying, like, tell me when you watch this team tonight, tell me, do they nail the details down? Are they well coached? Are they fundamentally sound? I don't never see any of that. Mm-mm. You know, I know he was a former player and that, you know, and that gives him entitlement that he knows the game. But at some point, you know, where is the results? I know he said the Cam Newton's the results. Let's be honest. It is a quarterback league and Cam Newton g- gave him those three great seasons. Who wins tonight? Uh, I mean, Washington should win tonight. Washington yeah. should win tonight. But Chicago, you know, they play home and they they play a, you know, they stay attached to, to the team and they try to make a play here to play there like they did against the Giants. And even though they didn't win the game, they were made, you know, he throws a couple of them up there. And if Mooney makes a couple plays down the field, I, I got to go with Washington. Though. To me, if, if Washington doesn't win this game, Thank God Dan Snyder's at elbow and he's fighting these battles on another face. Like he truly is like Napoleon. He's fighting battles on all these fronts. <laughs> he don't have time to pay attention to Ron the Rivera. But team. if he did, if he did, th- this would be the end of it. Ron Rivera's former employer, the Carolina Panthers, recently moved on from Matt Rule earlier this week. Now a lot of people looking at the Panthers and some of their veteran players potentially in some trade situations. We'll break down those guys, including Christian McCaffrey on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi. All right, Michael, the Carolina Panthers fired Matt Rule this Monday here, and now a lot of folks are looking at some of the talented players on this Panthers roster as potential trade candidates. And we're going to start with the running back, the all-pro Christian McCaffrey. Maybe some top landing spots. I know there have been reports that maybe that the Buffalo Bills have reached out. They have denied those reports. Maybe the Eagles, the 49ers, Rams, Broncos. Uh, Do you think McCaffrey should be a player who is sought after? And if so, where do you think he would be the best fit? You know, I, I think, he, you know, obviously he's a really talented player and, he, and he's, he's trying to stay healthy this year, which is critically important to his career. But I don't see the Panthers. I mean, it, I spent a lot of time listening to Tepper's press conference, which, you know, as Yogi Berra said, I think you can learn a lot from listening. You know, I mean, I think there, there was a lot there in his conference. And he talked about asset management and he talked about, you know, you only have so many assets, whether it's players, draft picks, salary cap. I get the sense that, yes, they want a quarterback. Yes, they probably would do everything to move up to get a quarterback. But I don't think they're going to have a fire sale. It's not fair to Steve Wilkes to have a fire sale. They're going to give Steve Wilkes every chance to win games over the next, what do they have, the next 11 games, 12 games. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I mean, and McCaffrey has to be on the team for them to win. Now, do I think Robbie Anderson would be one of those guys they trade? Without a doubt. Do I think that they would dump guys that aren't playing very well? Sure. I think that's not. But I don't think it's going to be anybody that could affect Wilkes' ability to win the game. I think, and I think that they want to be able to get in position to basically use their assets. But what, what job are they going – well, who are they going to allure if they tear the team down? Who are they going to allure? You know? And so I know I listened to Sean Payton the other day talk about 
you know, would he be interested? And Peyton was very clear. He really likes working at Fox, you know, with, with that job. I don't know. I don't know. But I think to me, you know, the problem is like all these jobs that open, they don't have a quarterback. They, you know, every job never does a job open. It's rare that Green Bay open like a, mm-hmm. where you walk into a starting quarterback. I mean, that's the issue. So but while you don't have a quarterback, you can't let your team just completely fall apart. Now, how much should we make of general manager Scott Fitterer? He's been there since January of 2021. So he's gone through two drafts here with the Panthers, but maybe they want more assets to ensure that they could potentially get a quarterback in this upcoming class here, the 2023 class, which is seen as a pretty talented quarterback draft. How much should we make of maybe Fitterer? A lot of these guys who are being rumored are not guys that he drafted. Well, I I think ultimately, you know, what can you get for those guys? Are you going to get a high, a a second round pick for somebody that that's what you're going to need to move up in the draft. You're going to need a bunch of twos. Mm. You know, people say we're going to get assets. Well, I mean, if you get a fourth round pick, does that really help you moving up in the draft? Of course not. You know, so like ask the question, what player could you trade that you could get a high number one pick for? I don't think there's anybody. I don't think anybody's giving you a one for McCaffrey, even though he's a really good player. You know, but he's got durability issues. He's got a cap number, you know. So, like, like at some point, like, you say, well, we're going to collect assets. Like, it's the NBA. Everybody takes the Oklahoma Thunder model or the Utah, and they think this is what's going to happen. That's not the way the NBA works. That's not the way the NFL works. You know, this is, they don't have a Donovan Mitchell. Nobody's given up that many assets. Nobody's given up so much for Rudy Gobert. Nobody's given up all that stuff for certain players, for Harden and all that. It's a different sport. And so, and to get one of those high picks, you know, you're going to have to collect a bunch of twos and and who's trading away twos and threes if they have a chance to win this year. I don't think very many teams are. I think the only players that would warrant a first or second round pick that they have on their team are Brian Burns and DJ Moore, but those are guys that you're going to want to keep. Those are are young players. They need Burns. You know, like I, I wrote, we wrote today for the daily coach about Bill Walsh's vision for blueprint. You know, there's culture and then there's a vision for how to win games. Right. And most people thought Walsh was a guy that wanted to have, you know, receivers and all that. This is what's so misunderstood about Bill Walsh was the number one thing he wanted to have was defense. And the number two thing he wanted to have is pass rushers who could win the game in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is how you build a team for sustainable success. They have some of that in Carolina. Yeah, to me, I don't think there's really much that they could do. Maybe Robbie Anderson, like you hinted at, McCaffrey. How well, much I think do you they think would dump Robbie Anderson in a minute if they <laughs> yeah. could? You know, I mean, he get doesn't really him. make any plays, and how do they get that? I mean, so to me, you know, I mean, McCaffrey's a really good player, but th- that would just kill mm-hmm. their offensive chance. I mean, you know, like if you do that, then basically everybody in the building just goes flat, and so when you fire a coach. There's, there's tentacles within the building where the coaches are very nervous. They'll start looking for jobs. They start spending more time on the phone trying to line up their next job than they do working on the opponent. And when you make a move that dramatic and you're only playing 17 games, then you, know, then, then you have a lot of people not working on the opponent and you lose the season. Football is such a different sport than baseball or basketball. What would you, if you were a general manager of one of the other 31 teams, what would you give up for... Christian McCaffrey, or what would you give up for Robbie Anderson? I probably wouldn't give up very much for Robbie because he's got a huge contract. Even though he's a, you know, if I were the Rams, 
you know, his contract, I can't get him under my cap, right? They can't. Mm-hmm. This is the whole problem with Odell. They, they, they don't have enough cap room to really give Odell uh, a substantial offer. But if you're like the Green Bay Packers and you want an outside receiver, okay, maybe you give them a sixth round pick or a fifth round pick or something like that. You're not going to give very much. You're not. I mean, there's just, you're, you're basically unloading the contract is more than anything. Yeah. You know, and so that's the other thing. The NFL is when you make a trade, everybody's asking yourself the question, how many years do I get back from the contract? Now, you know, we've seen trades at the trading deadline where a team needs a receiver on the desk, but but Robbie didn't play well last year and he hasn't played well this year. So, like, am I really getting a good player? Am I getting a name player? What about McCaffrey? I mean, I think you could probably get a two for McCaffrey. I think there's no doubt. I mean, he's a good player. There's no he is. But you've got to be concerned about durability. You know, he's been on the injury list every week this week, you know, but is that going to get you enough to move up? Does that really help your team? Now, if you did it in the offseason, different story, right? If you did it in the offseason, you have a better chance. Now's not the time. You lose the building if you do that now. I'm just telling you, the building just quits on you. You might as well. And and if that's what he wants to do, if he wants to basically get the first pick in the draft and pick C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young or whomever the best quarterback is, then basically just tear it all down and don't say, say to the public, look, Steve Wilkes has a chance to keep his job. You know, he should have just gone on the way it was. You know, what's fascinating about all these conversations, you know, is I still go back to Stefanski's decision to go for it on, on, thir- on fourth and inches <laughs> from his own. T- it, you know, if, if just think about this, if that kid who missed the field goal against the chargers, Cody Davis, I think his name is, or Cody York, Katie York. Yep. If he misses that field goal opening day, we wouldn't even be having this conversation about Matt Rule not having his job. Mm-hmm. If Frankie Louvu catches the pick six from Daniel Jones in week two, we're not having this conversation, but that's how the NFL goes. It's a bottom that's line it business. It's, it's a couple swings in here and there, but all of a sudden you find yourself in a bad spot and looking for a new head coach. Michael, let's take our final break. We'll get to Sunday slate on the other side, which has some juicy, juicy matchups, including Bill's Chiefs, the rematch. I can't wait to hear who you love. I can't wait. All right, Michael, let's get to Sunday's slate here. And the best matchup on the board might be the best matchup the entire NFL season. It's the rematch of last year's AFC divisional round. 13 seconds, those fateful words out there in Western New York. Nobody wants to hear about it, but they have a chance to correct it this Sunday. Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs out at Arrowhead Stadium over at our show sponsor, DraftKings Buffalo. Two and a half point favorites. The total 54 expecting a lot of fireworks this Sunday. Uh, How do you see this one playing out? You know, Femi, I, I spent a lot of time watching that Raider Chief tape, and, and I got to tell you, man, the Raiders left some points on the field. I mean, they the Chiefs struggled to cover the Raiders man-to-man. Waller mm-hmm. gets hurt on the t- first touchdown pass to to Devontae Adams, and he's wide open. on He's running a cross around. He's wide open. That, that hurt them because they didn't have anybody who could really match up to him, but they didn't have anybody really that could cover any of the Raiders receivers. They had guys open pretty much the whole game. Other than, you know, Hunter Renfro didn't play to a level that we've seen him play before. So to me, I, I think Buffalo's a team on a mission. I think they can block them. I think Josh Allen's going to be able to make play. Who's covering Gabriel Davis? Who's going to cover Isaiah McKenzie if he's healthy to play? I, I think this is one of those games where the Bills offense, unless they make a lot of mistakes and turn the ball over, they turned it over four times in Los Angeles and still won the game. Now, look, I think the Chiefs are still well coached, a good team, but. What we saw Monday night was their inability to make explosive plays. They were just mm-hmm. very fortunate 
they were so good in the red zone. I mean, they were really good in the red zone. And then four for four with Kelsey. But I, I think to me, this is this game to me, I think it has the makings of Buffalo just takes the game over and wins it and runs away with it. I completely agree with you. I think the Bills are the best team in the league, and it's not even really close. And also, uh, to echo your sentiments there about the Chiefs, I wasn't impressed Monday night. And in fact, I even tweeted it, and I said it on our show on VEASAN Live Bet tonight. I don't think the Chiefs are Super Bowl contenders. I, I don't know what your read on this yeah. team is, but they just they don't scare you offensively like they once did when Tyreek Hill was out wide, and it opened things up for everybody else underneath. You don't really get that fear factor anymore. No, but you you know Mahomes is still great. I think he's playing at a yeah. higher level this year than he ever had than he did any time last year. I thought Andy Reid, you know, when I saw him shake hands with Josh McDaniels at the end of the game, it kind of he had a look on his face like, man, we got lucky, you know, mm-hmm. with a lot of great calls in the second half that went his way that were made up for that horrible, <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah. I'm still looking for the the defensive holding. Looking, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm still looking for that call. The, wor- the you know the worst call of that game was that the, the the Raiders were up twenty to seven. And by, they run three plays, and the next thing you know, they're down 24 to 20. I mean, the Chiefs won the middle eight and won that. Yep. And the play that killed the Raiders more than any play in the game was the pick play on Mac Collins, which wasn't a pick play, which he was just running around. Mm-hmm. He, it was not a intentional, we're going to pick this against man coverage. That guy called that play. I mean, I could show you clips. Chris Jones lined up offsides the entire game. I mean, his helmet was in the neutral zone the entire game, right? And they never called that, yet they call something like that over there. It's just one of those, I, I said, I wrote about this in VEASAN. When you go back in time, what people don't understand, the rivalry between these teams go back to the AFL days. And it goes back to when Al Davis was the commissioner. And, and I wrote about this in my new book. Al Davis was the commissioner, and there was a hidden rule in the league that basically the gentleman's agreement between the AFL and the NFL, no veterans could sign. Well, the Giants, Wellington Mara, broke that rule. He signed Gogolak, the kicker from Buffalo, even though Buffalo wanted him back. Mm-hmm. And that launched the AFL into signing Roman Gabriel, Mike Dicka, John Brody to future contracts. And they were just ready to take it on. And little did Al Davis know that Lamar Hunt and, and Tex Schramm were negotiating a deal at the Love parking lot in Love Field in Dallas. And that agreement became the merger. And Al never knew about that. And Al carried that with him. And so that's what's intensified this, re- this rivalry for so damn long. And I thought we did. But going back to your initial thought, I I don't see the Chiefs being able to match this team Mm -hmm. offensively. They're going to have to control the ball and keep Buff. If Buffalo only has the ball 23 minutes, I think they still can win. But I think that it's going to be harder to win that way. It's going to be a really fun game. I can't wait to see it this coming Sunday. No bet for me in this game, but I still think the Buffalo Bills go ahead oh, and win this some one. Guts. Take Buffalo and lay the points. It's, Come on, Emmy. <laughs> Come on. We'll see. I got to take a look at the injury report. Jordan Poyer, Tremont Edmonds. I, I'll make sure those guys are playing because those guys didn't play last week against the Steelers. I want to make sure those guys on the back end are playing for this Bills defense. The Packers, Michael, come back to uh, the States here after losing to the New York Giants last week overseas in London, hosting the New York Jets. So the once easy Sinatra special of Giants Jets back to back weeks, not proving to be very easy, but they're seven and a half point favorites over at DraftKings against Robert Sala's Jets. That went up to seven and a half. It was seven for the now we're Thursday taping this Thursday morning. Do you have faith? I mean, my line on this game is 5.56. I, I I have no chance of taking the Jets. I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That, that would be the team I would have to take. 
but look, you know, the, it, can Zach Wilson – I mean, the last two weeks with the Jets now, they've scored 21 points in the fourth quarter against Miami, closer game than the score. They scored 14 points in the fourth quarter against the Steelers. They finished strong. you got to give them credit for that. Can they do it against Green Bay? Green Bay's defense last week, I mean, made, made me want to puke. It was bad. Yeah. It was bad against all the quick play action, the under routes, all that stuff that, that you know, the Jets will run. The Jets will just repeat that. Can they fix it? I don't know. I would lean towards the Jets here. You? I think I'd lean towards the Packers just because the Jets coming off of the win against the Dolphins, and that was a third-string quarterback, Skylar Thompson, on no you're prep. And I, 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 I would Sly, Justin Fields. You're just going down the road. I, I, I love I, it. I, I'm, I'm not buying into Robert Sala. So I, I would I would back the Packers in this spot. I haven't bet this game yet, but I'm going to look to maybe bet the Packers so in some so form or fashion. Joe Barry. So you got the lesser of two evils. You're going to go with Joe Barry. Okay, <laughs> yeah. good. Yeah, and I'll take Aaron Rodgers. I think he can get it right. Although he has a thumb issue, is what they were reporting yesterday. That. So we'll see if yeah, the thumb is worry about that. is not a problem there for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Vikings and the Dolphins down in South Beach. We mentioned Skylar Thompson. It appears he's going to get his first career start in the NFL. The rookie out of Kansas State hosting Minnesota right now. The Dolphins three point underdogs at home. Total forty five and a half at our show sponsor DraftKings. Ah, this Vikings team, man, I know they're 4-1, and I know that they've been winning games, but they don't look right. And Kevin O'Connell, I think he's a little in over his head right now as a head coach. I think this is going to be a closer game than people think. I think so, too. With Skylar Thompson gets a whole week to practice, and he was good this preseason. They say Tyreek Hill's going to play. I mean, Mm -hmm. this secondary for Minnesota, I don't think it's very good. And I'm surprised they're this much of a favorite against. Now, Miami's defense has not played well. They're bad on third down. Cousins is good when he's protected. Miami's got to get some pressure on him, and they've got to take Jefferson out of the game. They got to take Jefferson. They can't. What Miami will do is the same thing they did, you know, when they played a couple weeks ago. When they played, they lost to who did they lose? Oh, Cincinnati. When mm-hmm. they played Cincinnati, they double chase and they put and they put Howard over on 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 uh, on uh, Higgins, T Higgins. And so I think they'll do the same thing. I think they'll put Howard on Thielen and they'll double and they'll double chase all uh, double Jefferson all over the field. And if that happens, then somebody else has got to win the game. And to me, I, I think I'm with you. I take Miami and lay. I can get, take the home dog here. Why not? I, I, that's what I would lean with. I've had to bet the game as well here. Um, real quick thoughts: Ravens Giants. Uh, who do you think wins this one? Oh, I think it, I think the Giants are beat up in their secondary. Coming back off that trip, I think they're really beat up. You can hear I'm in New York here, Femi. The police are coming to get us. I mean, you know, this is probably what John Dillinger felt like when he was in the, the cabin there and he heard the police coming. We got to get out of here. Uh, I think the Giants are beat up in their secondary, and I think Baltimore's got a bunch of injuries. New York's done a great job of staying attached, mm-hmm. and I think you know Don Martindale, Sir Don Martindale, knows how to play mm-hmm. against. Lamar practiced against him. I think it's a close game. I'm surprised this line's inching up. The six points seems a little bit too much. But the one thing I think the Ravens have always done when they've played against lesser teams is they've dominated. Yeah, and that's what I'm buying into. I went ahead and bet Ravens laying five there with Baltimore. Finally, Sunday Night Football, Michael. My Dallas Cowboys on the road Uh-oh. in Philadelphia taking on the Eagles. The Eagles, six and a half point favorites. Total 42. It'll once again be Cooper Rush starting for America's team. Man, did that line move? It was five when it opened. Now it's up to six and a half. Mm-hmm. You think it gets to seven on by Sunday? <sighs> if it does, I might have to bet my squad if it gets to oh, seven. <laughs> man, I, I mean, I, you know, look, the, the Eagles' offense the last two weeks have not been flying at the highest level. I mean, we've got to check Makai Parsons' injury to see where he is. Yep. The one thing I think that's mis, mis- known about this game is the Eagles' defense has played as well, if 
as well as the Cowboys defense. They don't get as much publicity, but they've played really well and they've taken games over. I think this is going to be a really hard game for Dallas. I don't think they're going to be able to run the football against them. And Cooper Rush is going to have to complete more than 10 points. I see why this line's moving towards Philly. Yeah, the, the big thing that I'm looking forward to seeing is that Cowboys pass rush against the best offensive line in football, Philadelphia Eagles. They appear to be getting healthier. Jordan Mailata didn't play last week against the Cardinals. It sounds like he should play this week at left tackle. And if Parsons is compromised, if they have to only rush him situationally like they did toward the second half against the Rams, could spell trouble for my team here uh, against a really good Eagles attack. But Michael, that's the Sunday slate. I know you're busy out there in New York. Sounds like the uh, the sirens have left you, so maybe yeah, they're I looking for somebody safe, else. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think <laughs> Billy and I were not going to get arrested, so we're all good. Yeah, that's all. It's good to hear because we want you back on Monday as we recap all the happenings well, from Week Six here in the National Football League. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to Visa, and as always, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. And thank you to our producer Stephen Bond with us on the ones and twos. And Michael, have a good time. I'm out there in the Big Apple, and we'll talk to you Monday. I'll be back Monday. I'll be back tomorrow on air. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it, Femi. Thank you, Stephen Bond. <laughs>